Welcome to Collisions YYC, Beyond the Echo. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. In this special series of episodes, I tackle the question of how does the world see Calgary and what can we learn from it? This is a journey of curiosity, of taking the time to gain the insights from the people that are outside of our day-to-day conversations. I'm seeking to learn where there are gaps, misunderstandings, and most importantly, opportunities for us to grow. During this intense period of economic transformation, I'm not willing to leave any stone unturned that may give us an advantage for the road ahead. Join me as I chat with thought leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers of the world to learn their perceptions of our amazing city from beyond the echo. Well, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a good old fashioned chat with Mr. Scott Montgomery. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I am, I am great. I'm looking at a sunny blue sky and you're, you're in sunny, sunny, somewhat California right now. No, but a little bit smoky. You're in the, you're in the heart of some fires right now. Yeah. Sunny and smoky California and uh, air quality is uh, amongst the worst in the world at the moment, um, which is always fantastic. <laughs> and you've been a little bit, we we're chatting offline. You've been down in, uh, you've been, you left, you left us about nine, 10 years ago, but you're originally from Edmonton. Yeah, that's right. I, I grew up in uh, in Edmonton, born and raised. Uh, I moved down to Los Angeles um, nine or ten years ago. Uh, stayed there for uh, two or three years, and then moved up to San Francisco. Lived in downtown San Francisco. It was amazing twenty minute walk to work um, in in the middle of it. And then a couple of years ago, decided that uh, I needed a little bit more space and moved out to Oakland. So, so now I've got a nice little place uh, over, overlooking the bay, and it's pretty fantastic to watch the sunsets every night when it's not smoky. Yes, <laughs> yeah. When you're when you're not trying to keep the windows closed, and yeah, Calgary a few years ago. I don't know if you were. I don't think Edmonton got it the same, but I know. Or I'm not. I shouldn't show showing my ignorance, but I know Calgary. We had like two summers in a row that literally it was just an orange sky every day. And I've anyone. I don't have respiratory, but anyone with asthma or any type of respiratory, which again add that to COVID, it's it's a bad. It's a that's a nasty mix. It's nasty. Yeah, I, I know Edmonton. Uh, I mean, Fort McMurray burned down a couple yeah. years ago. And uh, I know I've been got a lot of smoke at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it's not. It's, it's unfortunately, everywhere. it feels, I hate the word new normal, but it definitely feels like forest fires are definitely part of the part of the realities of warm weather now, the warm dry. It does, yeah, it definitely does. Well, let's hey, let's dive right in before we get into like the whole point of the show is the view from outside. But let's get let's give some foundation. So, Scope AR, your current company, you know, you've got you've got a pretty rich. I'm a professional creeper like everybody, so I'm on LinkedIn. So you've got a pretty rich background, different development roles. But Scope AR, you mentioned when we were chatting, you started in Edmonton, so you've you've got a unique perspective because you live in California, but yet you're working pretty closely in the Alberta kind of ecosystem. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, we um, me and my two co-founders uh, started in Edmonton back in 2011. Uh, um, and uh, um, uh, shortly after we started it, um, so just for backgrounds, um, you know, I had a, a few other companies previous to that. Um, one of them was a particularly painful failure. Uh, it kind of died in the, in the last financial crisis in 20. Uh, we were you know, raising a Series A uh, when the economy crashed. And um, uh, when I look back on it, you know, we had developed a really great product, uh, and really great foundational technology, and just didn't really know how to take it to market. And, um, you know, we had, we had the foundations of a lot of different possible products, you know, could have been uh, Evernote, could have been Pinterest, could have been, you know, a lot of things. And I felt like if I had met the right people to uh, help us take the market, you know, um, kind of just that product marketing uh, type uh, aspect, um, it would have been really helpful. And so, you know, when I started Scope, I, I kind of felt like I needed to be in Silicon Valley to meet those right people um, that could have, uh, or that could guide us in the right way. Um, it turns out that was, that was a good bet. <laughs> um, nice. And, so, uh, so you were just to be clear, you were in Edmonton at the time of your first during uh, 2008, the startup and, you know, to get to the conversation of there was a gap in terms of those resources that like those mentors that are like, hey, don't step there, but definitely step there kind of kind yeah. of thing. 
Absolutely. I mean, we can go definitely go into this, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, I mean, so there's a lot of great talent um, in Alberta. Uh, you know, the um, especially you know I'm familiar with Edmonton, the University of Alberta, the computer science program there is you know amazing, uh, cranks out some great developers. Um, mm-hmm. But it takes more than just developers to build a company, <laughs> especially a tech company. And uh, you know, the skill sets in Alberta are really focused around you know oil and gas energy. Um, you know, um, if you want to, you know, like sales guys, if you want to make money, you go sell oil. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's just kind of the, the type of skill set that Alberta breeds. And um, so, finding salespeople for software doesn't really exist, or, or at least you know, people with you know, really good uh, enterprise software experience or, or consumer software experience. Uh, product people, you know, just having to or uh, how to actually build a product that people want is, you know, a, a skill set that's severely lacking in Alberta. I've had you're, you're like probably the fourth person who's mentioned that very specifically on the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you've got this this great foundation of developers that's, you know, able to, to crank out software, but uh, the whole rest of the stack of a business um, in, in terms of, of software um, just is is pretty thin in terms of the, the talent pool. So. So interesting. You ended up down in the down in the valley, but yet still kept the roots here and the balance. And was obviously there was clearly some things that kept you here versus going all in down in California. I, I, you're getting an interesting perspective because you've kind of got a bit of a foot in both markets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so yeah, we've got our um, uh, our uh, a big office in downtown Edmonton, a couple of blocks away from uh, the the new hockey stadium. Uh, my two co-founders are still in Edmonton. Uh, they've got you know deep roots. Uh, and then our development team, uh, most of it is still in Edmonton. Um, okay. And, uh, and um, I mean, it, it was a bit of just uh, momentum. I mean, we uh, we started there. We started. Uh, I started hiring out of my network. Those people started hiring out of their, their network, and kind of we snowballed and kind of built a team that way um, originally. And uh, yeah, it, it you know it worked for us. Um, more more recently, we've uh, started expanding globally with with our um, our developers. Just. Uh, the types of, of things we're trying to do, um, uh, expanding those skill sets within Edmonton has been more challenging. So we did an acquisition last year of a company in Israel. Uh, so we've got a, a bit of a development team there. Uh, I've got some uh, develop, developers um, in the Bay Area and, and Los Angeles. Again, just, you know, finding them through my network generally. Um, and uh, which, yeah. is, which is the, that's one thing I do love about Alberta. It is the biggest small town I've ever lived in, like even Calgary. But you can expand that right across the province. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we do have a big foundation and a big office in Edmonton still. So, okay. So, and curious when you're out there now presenting yourself globally, putting your product out there. Yeah, I get I get a couple of questions. I guess for you know, if I went on your site, which I haven't, and I, and I will, I was I was doing my LinkedIn creep. I haven't gone the next step of my creep. But uh, like, do you are you an Edmonton based company? Are you a Silicon based company? Like when someone says, "Where are you guys out of?" Does that have impact? Or like when you're out there on this on the global stage? It's uh, it varies. We'll kind of play it. Uh, <laughs> for anyone who can't see, he's kind of shifting. If we were playing poker, I'd be like, "What's the tell I got going on here right now?" <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so if there's an advantage to uh, to saying that we're a Canadian-based company or Edmonton-based company, uh, we, like we certainly will. We'll play that up. Um, you know, especially uh, early on when we were going after um, some some customers in the oil and gas sector, um, that was obviously an advantage. You know, the, yeah. his hometown advantage. Um, generally though, uh, you know, the cachet of a Silicon Valley company is definitely more prestigious. Um, just, you know, people understand it. It's got a reputation as, you know, we're the best and the brightest go, uh, um, and you know, the best companies come out of, cause I mean, let's face it, the best companies have, uh, in, in tech have come out of, out of Silicon Valley. Or Seattle. It, it, that, that's, that's a, I had a creative director. You always said like 
permissibility. No matter who you say you are, does your audience permit you to be that way? Saying that you're a company out of Silicon Valley immediately has permissibility as like, oh yeah, we believe you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you, to, at, at the most basic level of just human, step one, do I even believe that you're legit before we even go to the next level of our dating relationship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there, there's definitely just that yeah credibility aspect that you know comes out of Silicon Valley. So, so now curious, and I'm going to paint a picture that's probably false and just having some fun with it. So you're a good old local boy from Edmonton and you, and you show up in, in the Valley. Was it like eye opening? Like, wow, this is what I thought the world that I lived in was like. I've been like, and has this been a progression? Just curious when you go to these, you know, and I, Joanne Fideco who connected us, she said, sometimes when companies come down from Alberta, they think they've got all figured out. And she goes, the first 48 hours is pretty eye opening for them when it's like, have you thought of this? Have you done that? Do you know that there's three other companies that are already three steps ahead of you? And she goes, it can be pretty humbling. And then by day three, the learning starts. The first two days is a little bit shell shock. I'm putting words into the story, but you're, it, was that a similar experience for you? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, previous to actually moving here, um, I, I had a bunch of trips down to Silicon Valley uh, before that. So um, uh, uh, when I worked in Edmonton, I, I worked at Intuit, and I was, uh, um, you know, good friends with uh, the CEO of, of Intuit in Edmonton, and he was actually on the board of Intuit Silicon Valley. So when we went and started our um, uh, the, the startup uh, that I had in, in 2006 to 2009, um, we actually had uh, we were trying to um, uh, introduce it kind of globally, and we used some connections uh, with Intuit in Silicon Valley. And so I actually had, you know, the privilege of, of um, hanging out with the founder of Intuit uh, more than a few times. He's actually um, involved in Scope at the moment, which is cool. Um, and life, life is about who you know. That ne- that never that never is untrue. <laughs> absolutely, for sure. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I think it was probably three or four visits down to Silicon Valley, um, and I just had some amazing experiences. And yes, it is incredibly eye-opening. Um, uh, just to go to conferences, the people you meet, uh, you know, just the way people speak. Um, uh, I think uh, one of the the coolest things is walking into a coffee shop in San Francisco and just hearing the conversation, and it's it's mind blowing. Everybody's talking about valuations or a crazy idea, or I mean, everybody's coding, like literally everybody's sitting on their laptops coding, uh, building the next greatest thing, and you're like, I wonder who that is. I wonder who that is. Um, and I, I just remember um, you know, the, the, my, my flights from San Francisco to Edmonton, I was so excited to get on the plane. I'm like, who am I going to sit next to? Like, who is this cool person that's going down to Silicon Valley to like do business? Um, <laughs> so this, you know, this wide-eyed 23-year-old or whatever it was. So uh, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a different atmosphere. And, and there's just, there's something electric about, you know, even the city of San Francisco. Um, it, it's funny because we were looking at, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, obviously, we were looking at moving our office into Oakland. And um, a lot of my team protested. Uh, they did not want to leave San Francisco. They felt like the atmosphere wasn't going to be you know, nearly as good. Yep. So yep. actually, you know, I went and spent some time in, in downtown uh, Oakland. I mean, rent is a third as cheap as downtown San Francisco. I was, I was going to ask, I'm sure, because we all know you don't have to live there to understand what it is, the cost of, of occupancy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the cost of just being, being able to be there, attend, like there's a barrier. <laughs> Huge barrier, Absolutely. But what I so we ended up um, uh, keeping our office in San Francisco and expanding it, um, uh, of course, pre-pandemic, and it was the it was the atmosphere. There was this something about walking around downtown San Francisco. You just feel the excitement and energy, and there's some some electricity in the air. I don't know what it is. Um, and then walking down down in downtown Oakland, um, there's just nothing. I mean, people aren't bustling. Uh, there's no excitement. It's just kind of day to day. And uh, you know, I think that 
feeling that electricity. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not superstitious or anything. Um, yep, but yeah, but there's, but there's a, yeah, it's, it's good juju or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, something there. And I think that makes, that's, that's what makes, you know, San Francisco and, and Silicon Valley just so special is just like constant excitement of everything. You know, this is where it's happening. Right. Which is, again, it's that you don't need to tell that story. It's like, you don't need to explain. Everyone's immediately there. So, when you think about Alberta, obviously you're here a lot. And I know that, you know, we're, this is, we usually talk about Calgary a lot, but like for the, the sake of perspective, we all share Alberta and there's not a lot of differences when it comes to the challenges that are between the two cities. Edmonton and Calgary are different, but we're all dealing with a pretty deep economic transformation right now. When you think about the tech ecosystem here, like what are you seeing? Kind of what's what's the vibe around like that electricity that's clear? Like you just, your whole energy changed when you talked about what it's like to be in the Valley. What's it like when you come into Edmonton and like, how, first of all, how big is your team up there? Uh, in Edmonton, we've got, I think probably 20 people or so. Um, okay. So, yeah. And is there like, obviously, what's their peer group like? Like, I'm just thinking about like what you said, like how much value that ecosystem and that energy creates for that change. Like Silicon Valley wasn't always Silicon Valley, but it became that way. And and it starts to clearly perpetuate itself. Growth begets growth. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, th I think my team uh, generally knows other people in the, in the community. Um, and I mean, I, I will say that the startup community is a heck of a lot better uh, than it did it was um, back in, in 2006. Nine, nine, nine years ago or 10, yeah. 15 years ago? Yeah. So, I mean, funny story. Um, so, uh, 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 a couple of, of guys uh, and myself, we ran demo camp number one uh, in Edmonton. And it was actually modeled after demo camp in, in Calgary. I don't know. Do they still run demo camp in Calgary? I'm not sure. I haven't heard. No, I haven't heard it. Yeah, so maybe that that kind of initiative. I'm going to Google it right now as we're sitting here chatting. About, mm. There was uh, an, um, uh, this gentleman by the name of Pat, Pat Lohr who exited uh, his company in Calgary. Um, yep. I don't know Pat, but I certainly know of him. Cal again, big small town Calgary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so he he was you know uh, a huge advocate for the uh, the startup Calgary scene uh, back in 2006 when when I started getting involved, and so we modeled uh, startup Edmonton and and uh, demo camp after what he was doing. And um, so, you know, a couple of other guys uh, in Edmonton grew Startup Edmonton to what it is today, eventually, you know, passed it over to the city. Um, but uh, back then, I mean, there was nothing. When we ran the first demo camp, we thought we might be able to run two demo camps because uh, we, we knew of, you know, between all of us, we knew of, yeah. like, you know, four or five startups that can maybe demo. And then we thought we'd run out. And I mean, it's still going. I don't know what number they're on now, but it's like, you know, it's still running every few months. Uh, there's still uh, companies coming out and, and showing stuff, which is just insane. Yeah, demo, de yeah, demo camp Alberta. They've got their list of 2019 participants. What kind yeah. of what's going on? Yeah, yeah totally. Super cool. That's, that's what I love about the show. I'll always hear. I'm like, I have these conversations like two, three, four times a week, and then I'm like, how have I not heard about this? Like, and again, if we can get it on different people's radars, that's half the value of the show is just exposing people to things they might not have heard about. So yeah, right. sure. So so now in Edmonton, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of of uh, kind of up and coming startups. I mean, Jobber's doing great. Uh, Drug banks doing great. Um, you know, I, I know of, of 10 to 12, you know, different startups that are actually, you know, becoming uh, going concerns, which is amazing because, um, you know, back in 2006, there was really nothing. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the startup scene has definitely started to improve. And I, I think a lot of credit goes to, to Startup Edmonton and the incubation they've done there, uh, kind of uh, matching uh, you know, investors and uh, doing training programs with their pre-flight program and just having a co-working space where you can kind of almost get that San Francisco vibe where you walk in there and people are hacking away and sharing ideas. Uh, yeah. If only in a, you know, a, a small space. So um, yeah, definitely a lot of work is going in there to, to kind of make things uh, great. So, 
what are you seeing from an investor perspective? Like, again, you need to, you need to throw gasoline on the fire. Like you got those sparks going on. Are you seeing, cause obviously down in the Valley, you know, even talking to Joanne, there's a really nice balance of people that are always looking for the next thing, but these are people that are educated, they're experienced, they've done multiple exits. They're not, they're not just bringing money to the table. They're also bringing, like you said, expertise and guidance. Are you seeing that happening in, in, in Alberta or in Edmonton? Is, is it getting better? Um, I think it's getting better. To be honest, I, you know, I, I, I haven't, uh, played with the Alberta investor ecosystem in quite a while. Okay. Um, I, I mean, a few years ago, um, I, I was definitely down on the, the Alberta investment uh, um, ecosystem. Uh, you know, my perspective of you know, the uh, the investors in Alberta um, and and Canada in general, although the Canadian VC system is definitely starting to change uh, pretty pretty well. Um, but you know, uh, investors would depress you on valuation. Um, uh, they would, you know, chintz out on how much you should be raising. And, you know, I know of a few companies that ended up, you know, raising far too little and giving away far too much of their company uh, very early on. And that hobbles you as you grow your company. You know, you've just put a ceiling on how big your company can get because you run out of equity being able to give it to employees, to recruit the best people, to give, you know, future investors. Uh, you know, once you go through a few rounds after you dilute yourself far too early, um, you as a founder, you know, don't have a lot left and you're not really incentivized to keep growing it. And so you just like, um, yeah, put a, a ceiling there. And that was, you know, generally my experience with Alberta investors was, um, you're thinking small. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can't really blame them. I mean, I, I do a bit of angel investing myself these days and, um, you know, you get a little, you get a little scared and shy if you don't have a lot of successes. And, you know, back in, in the two thousands, there were very few, uh, startup successes, right? So, you know, investors had kind of um, put in money and just not made any money and, and were a little bit gun shy. Um, but, you know, that that is a, um, uh, a vicious cycle uh, in terms of, uh, in, you're not capitalizing the company well enough to uh, to succeed, so it fails. And then <laughs> um, you, you learn the lesson that, oh, I, you know, I, I, next time I'm going to be more careful with my company and I should give them less money so I, I don't lose as much. And it's just a vicious cycle to the bottom. Uh, whereas in Silicon Valley, uh, the opposite is true. Um, uh, you know, uh, you've got tons of capital floating around, lots of really knowledgeable VCs that are incredibly helpful. Uh, there's competition in the VC, VC ecosystem. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I know lots of investors that are very competitive uh, for deals. You know, um, I was they're, they're courting they're courting you as much as you're courting them, which is very interesting. It changes the power dynamic right absolutely, away, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah. one of my uh, one of my seed investors is incredibly aggressive, and I actually just got a reference call from from them from uh, from a couple of other founders being like, "Hey, these guys, you know, we've already, we're already well capitalized, but these guys want to give us like an extra two million dollars." Uh, we're not really sure if we need it or if we should take it. Are these guys good? And uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 it. I I love how that I love when it's balanced. I don't like when it's lopsided because that never works out. <laughs> no, absolutely. So yeah, you've got these competitive deals. The companies are well capitalized. Uh, you know, companies in just like stuff always takes longer than you think it will. It always takes <laughs> a company to, to do what you think it should do as well. And so you never want to be undercapitalized. You want to be overcapitalized. And with all the money floating around uh, Silicon Valley. Um, that just leads to a great virtuous cycle. The companies have enough runway, enough capital to do what they need to be competitive and succeed and get to the next the next stage. Eventually, a lot of the companies are successful. They exit. Those founders then become you know yeah. become flush. Uh, they've taken some money out of you know whoever acquired them. They start reinvesting. Um, and now they have you know the knowledge about how to grow a company, uh, all the things that need to, to uh, go into a company. They can advise. They can be super helpful as investors. They have a network. 
Um, and so, you know, this is that this amazing uh, virtuous cycle that happens, and this is why Silicon Valley is Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So. And is that is like a couple of questions? Is is it is it just t- like I don't want to ch- like time? Are are we on the cycle of time, or is there a couple? Is there any levers that I guess we could pull, or that could be pulled? Is it government? Is it incentives? Is it tax? Is it programs? Like I guess, how do we make that wheel turn a little bit faster? Because you know, time is always of the essence, and it always feels like it's running out. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, um, so, I, um, I don't think government should be involved in um, in choosing investments. Uh, that is not what they're good at. You know, they're. I mean, <laughs> I would agree on that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I mean, just like you know, you probably don't want. I mean, a lot of people say you should have government running like a business. That's not true, because <laughs> uh, you know, uh, business uh, has um, uh, you know certain stakeholders, and you, the, the goal is to make money. Um, uh, the goal of government is to make it or ser- to provide services uh, that are equitable to everybody. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, because of that, that fact that you need to provide services that are equitable to everybody, um, picking and, and choosing winners, uh, in, especially in startup companies, that's not particularly what they're good at. So uh, that you know, that being said, I think you can definitely uh, incentivize um, uh, things through like tax credits. Like you know, mm-hmm. one thing that makes Canada very attractive, and and this is you know, renowned through Silicon Valley. When I say so, here's here's where where I talk about you know being Canadian. Um, like oh man, you, you get those sh- uh, shred credits. That's amazing. You have your t- your team there. You know, it's at, uh, you, um, uh, you know that's huge. That's a huge benefit for for Silicon Valley companies. And I know a lot of companies that actually, uh, especially now with 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 the pandemic, are starting to, to build teams in, in Canada because of that fact. Um, just uh, now it's remote. There's no problem. Uh, uh, that's, that's, it. that's interesting. I do appreciate it. I know COVID has been a negative effect on a lot of people, but I believe there's some definitely some very strong silver linings that are coming. They just like you know, took our five-year path that I think we were on and, and compressed it into six months, which I think is I'm uh, that part I'm always going to be thankful to the pandemic for getting us out of our own way on some of the things we should have been doing anyways, <laughs> like like remote, like, like work from anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Um, so those tax incentives in Canada, I think, are are amazing. Um, what that's an interesting know, perspective. What, what Alberta just did. I mean, I, I was really not impressed with you know the new government. Um, so um, right as they got elected last year, uh, Joanne Fedenko actually put together a, a panel with some of the government officials as they were coming in the office. Um, and they came down to Silicon Valley and, you know, a whole bunch of ex-Alberta entrepreneurs and Canadian entrepreneurs got together and kind of listened to what these guys had for a plan. And frankly, the plan was um, underwhelming. <laughs> that's that's yes. nice way of putting it. Um, and, uh, and extremely poorly thought out, just um, like had absolutely no plan for, for, for the tech sector. And then they cut, you know, all the tax credits uh, that, you know, the previous government had put in. They're actually, you know, they were okay. Um, so I'm pretty happy that, you know, in the past month or, or something, they brought back, uh, that tax credit. Um, I think that'll do some, some good things. Um, I actually, I'm pretty impressed. They, they actually constructed the right way. They listened. Um, so, so that's good. Um, so, I mean, yeah, government definitely has a role to play. They can do incentive, incentivization. Um, but I mean, I think part of the problem is, is, um, the, in the investor ecosystem, um, and you know, just investors understanding what role they have to play with uh, with startups. Um, you know, for, for startup companies, there's a concept of, of smart money and dumb money. Um, so you know, dumb money is just money, uh, which you can get from anywhere, right? So I think a lot of startups, you know, if there was a, a wealthy oil family, 
Um, go find the money, um, you know, easy to raise, but that, that money is probably not going to be helpful. They're not going to have introductions, yeah. they're not going to have insights, they're not going to have anything. And in fact, they might actually be a negative influence because they might expect, you know, a return on investment. It would be similar to what they put in if they bought oil and, and saw in the oil patch back in the old, old, the old days, right? They just thought this was like a gold mine. Um, yes, the, the infamous old days. <laughs> yes, I know. That's, that's a very real thing in Alberta because it worked. And I've had a couple of CEOs on and they're like, you know what? We thought we had a formula figured out, but that Apple car got flipped over about four or five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So conversely, smart money um, is, you know, they will help you in a, a, amazing ways. Uh, just yesterday I was on with, uh, actually uh, two things happened yesterday. <laughs> I was on a call with one of my investors where they brought in the entire Apple develop, de developer relations team. Uh, where um, we could talk about, you know, all the the um, uh, the, the new highlights and the new operating system that's getting launched. Uh, so all these new features and like how to take advantage of it, and then you know how to get your app uh, highlighted on the App Store and like you know now I have a direct line to some people if I ever have problems with with uh, with Apple or or getting it published or something like that. Just um, the, just the weight of having access to a group like that, like you, you just that you can't just you cannot pick up the phone and call. Like it's not even possible. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And that, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, a second call yesterday, you know, they introduced me to the CTO of a very, very large air, aerospace and defense company. Um, uh, you know, just amazing connections, right? So, um, so, uh, so, so, so Thursday was a good day in your world is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, but th this is part of the course, uh, to be t totally honest. I mean, those are two great examples, awesome. but, you know, uh, that wasn't uh, out of the ordinary. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think I had two more events like that earlier in the week, and, you know, that's kind of a normal week. Is just like these amazing introductions. And this is what you get from really good investors with a really good network that are really trying to help you. Uh, conversely, you know, I had uh, investors in a previous company that would just, you know, uh, crap all over us. Oh, you guys didn't hit your numbers. Um, well, cool. The KPI investors were just, I'm just going to hammer you on whatever. Yeah, exactly. That, that, we, that we might have picked that might not actually even be relevant. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I got to think that or my impression um, back when I, I did do this in Alberta was um, the investors were KPI investors. Um, and, and like I said, you know, depressed valuations. Um, uh, not particularly helpful and just, you know, led to, to poor outcomes um, in, in Alberta companies. So, so I think what, what Joanne's doing, um, uh, you know, with her connection to Silicon Valley, bringing um, companies down to, to uh, the Valley. Uh, I know, um, you know, the C100 does uh, 48 hours in the Valley as well. That's a really great yep. initiative um, to kind of, you know, to uh, be able to introduce, you know, some really amazing entrepreneurs and, and developers uh, to to money in Silicon Valley, and um, and make that work, I think that's a really great initiative. So, grassroots question, you know, the Scott today is talking to Scott ten years ago in his startup, like advice, thoughts, like how do you, you know, as as Alberta clearly, like everywhere, was pushing to have much more of a deep, rich technology underpinning for, for everything as we as we attempt yet again, and I'll say that with a slight facetious, to diversify ourselves away from purely an energy play. Again, thoughts and because again, there's a risk. We've got talent leaving the city. We've got companies needing to feel that they have to leave, such as yourself, to go to another market. It's hard to create any critical mass if people keep leaving. Like, let's be blunt. <laughs> it's just yeah, that becomes a numbers game. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's definitely that, a bit of brain drain. Uh, we, you know, even, even in my team, uh, I've had people, you know, leave Edmonton, go Vancouver, Toronto, um, whatever it is, um, uh, just to pursue other goals. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a serious problem. 
So any any advice to somebody who's got you know the the five person startup in Cal- just in in Alberta? They've got they've got the idea. They've maybe you know done the friends and family. They're you know it's time to get a little bit serious. They're moving to that next that next level. Thoughts recommends from your part or what? You know they're they're sitting across from you. What would you say? Um, definitely try to get in touch with um, you know somebody like Joanne or myself that can make introductions to Silicon Valley money. Um, like like I said. Um, uh, so, you know, when I first started my, my startup, um, uh, I didn't know what it took to build a company. Um, and this is, you know, uh, actually, <laughs> arguably, I still don't know what it takes to build a company, but we've been relatively <laughs> successful. Um, I, pr- I appreciate your humility. That, no, I get it. But, yeah, you know, I, I'm still not quite sure what I want to do when I grow up, but when I get there, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, I know what I want to do when I grow up. It's, it's a, be a rock star. I, uh, I want to be a front man of a rock star band, but um, a rock band. <laughs> um, in the meantime, is that a, is that a guitar? Is that a guitar? I'm seeing just so, is, slightly out of, yeah, it is. just out, of, just slightly out of frame. That just became relevant all of a sudden. My eye just saw it. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. my aspiration. Uh, you know, so after this, I'm going to go uh, start a band. Um, but um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you know, in in my first company in 2006, you know, as a developer, um, I just wanted a great uh, build a, a great product with you know great features. Um, but like I said, uh, taking it to market and actually building a product that people wanted to use and, uh, and then you know, how to sell it, how to monetize it, how to build a business model, um, uh, how to market it, you know, how to raise investments. All these skill sets are like just as important as the code itself. And um, so with the talent pool in, in Alberta, like I said earlier, um, you know, that the, adv- the advice that you get from people in Alberta, because just there hasn't been this virtuous cycle of people that have been successful and can mentor you, um, is, is pretty thin. So, um, you know, developers are amazing, constantly creative, creating really cool things, uh, but it's only like 20% of what you need to be a successful business. And um, I mean, even now, like when I, when I started Scope, um, I, I was a little bit better because I was in, in um, you know, San Francisco. Uh, I knew I needed to hire an enterprise sales team. I knew I, hired, I needed to hire, uh, you know, product people and marketers. And, and I knew kind of the... the um, uh, types of, of roles that I needed to fill and, and what it was going to take to build a business. Um, but then, you know, hiring the best people and how, how do you hire the best people uh, when you don't know what, what those functions are? Um, and uh, yeah, understanding it, understanding it as a concept and a role is one thing, understanding the real nuts and bolts of who's going to be good based on what you need. That's that like, that's a that takes a lifetime used to, to develop those types. Exactly. Of skills. Exactly. So it's, you know, in Alberta, it's kind of a double whammy. You, you, you don't have the right people that are there, or at least, you know, um, they're probably not on the market. <laughs> there's just like, yeah, yeah you, there's, there's, there's this pool is smaller. There's no, it's yeah. a very, very small pool. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, the mentorship in terms of people that have been, been there, done that and successful to help you along the way is also fairly small, um, in, in terms of, you know, a software business. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's really difficult. So you know, my recommendation for anybody would be to, to start building connections in, in, in Silicon Valley, or at least, you know, with successful people that have actually built, built great, great companies, um, to, to, you know, develop that, those, those, uh, that mentorship, uh, attitude. Um, I, I know a lot of developers are super smart, headstrong, especially entrepreneurial types, thinking they're like the smartest. Uh, but you know, I, I have met one or two that that would fit that bill. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's been a long journey to to realize that I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and I shouldn't be. And when I surround myself with uh, people that are way smarter than me, amazing things happen. <laughs> it's amazing when you realize that the room you want to be in is the room where you're not the smartest person, because that's where you know what I mean. But when you're younger, that's a fragile place for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. well, that's what's amazing about Silicon Valley, right? Is you walk out on the street, and all of a sudden you're in that room. 
Um, there's just like, because it attracts, well, because the barrier to, to being here is so incredibly high, um, it attracts the best of the best because that's what companies want to pay for. And so immediately you're, you're, you're just immersed in like-minded people that are incredibly smart. And uh, it's just, it's a humbling experience. Um, I, I, so we went through this incubator called Y Combinator, uh, which is, um, you know, it's produced companies like, you know, Pinterest and Airbnb and, and Dropbox, uh, like the, the list of success stories out of, out of Y Combinator is pretty impressive. Um, and so uh, when I go to, to alumni demo day, which is where I get together with all the other co-founders, it is incredible. I mean, uh, I'm just surrounded by literally people everybody there that's far smarter than I am and far more successful. And um, it's, you know, Silicon Valley is great. There's a concentration of, of really smart people. This is like the absolute concentration of the concentration. Like it's the creme de la creme. It's great. So um, uh, just being around those people and, and, and forming those relationships to to bounce ideas off of and, and get mentored by people, by people like that is fantastic. So, um, you know, that's, yeah, if I could say one thing uh, to, to, you know, past uh, Scott 10 years ago or whatever, uh, definitely start building connections uh, within uh, with people that have done it before, and and probably that that you know um, are either you know here in Silicon Valley or or New York, you know other other tech centers that are, are fairly successful. When you look at speaking of that, other jurisdictions. When you look at you're in the Valley, and and the con and and the conversation of Canada happens to come up. Is it like you know? Is it Waterloo? Like what what does come up when 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 the U.S. looks up north of the border from a tech perspective? What what is on the radar? Uh, yeah, Waterloo's definitely up there. Um, yeah, especially so it, it's it's kind of funny when we went through Y Combinator, and ever ever since then, there's always kind of um, I'd say three or four percent of those companies are Canadian, and ninety okay. percent of the Canadian companies are from Waterloo. Um, okay. So it's got a very very good reputation as a uh, just a tremendous like you know Canadian Silicon Valley essentially, um, right. and just you know really really good developers and really bright entrepreneurs that have built some really cool things. Uh, and any thoughts on how well, how familiar you are with that ecosystem? I've had a few people comment on it of like, you know, it's kind of that old adage of when's the best time to plant a tree like 20 years ago, but if not today. So 20 years ago, what's like, or 20 or 30 years ago, any thoughts on what Waterloo did to get to where they are? Because obviously this isn't, these aren't overnight like phenomenons that happen. These are, these are built over time. Yeah. And I know there's lots, you know, RIM was there, the school system, like there's a lot of things that contributed. Any that stand out for you in your mind? It's exactly that. I, I think it's RIM and, and, uh, and the school system, uh, and, you know, the mentorship. Um, and I mean, if you think about how, how Silicon Valley started, I mean, th th yeah, back in the forties, this place wasn't anything. Um, right. but then, you know, the first companies, uh, started manufacturing chips and that's what builds, you know, Intel and, and, uh, Silicon graf graphics. And then those, uh, those companies, um, spurned a bunch of, of uh, wealthy people that went and uh, then started more companies to build um, uh, uh, software for these chips. And <clears throat> then those software companies did really well. And then they, you know, built VC firms that then started funding things and invented, you know, new business models for, for, for funding businesses. Um, and so you know, it's this virtuous cycle I keep talking about, um, uh, it's this washing machine of, uh, you know, um, have an idea, go raise money, build a great company, exit, make a lot of money, go reinvest it uh, into other startups and, and just you know, build things. So I think Waterloo did the same thing. Um, you know, they had this really successful company in, in RIM that spurred a ton of research. Uh, they uh, invested heavily in the in the school system with Waterloo. That spurred a bunch of other uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, startup companies that were successful. Uh, really, really smart talent. Um, uh, they courted Silicon Valley pretty well. They were able to get capital uh, to, to build these companies. It was just this, yeah, again, virtual cycle they built. So, where today it's you know one of the premier um, startup communities in the world. 
Um, so, uh, and I understand there's a constant stream of students down in the Valley doing their sabbatical, like doing their work, like as part of it. So that connection is ingrained at such an early stage back yeah. to, back to relationships, back to meeting people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about Alberta, um, it, it's definitely starting to change now. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the University of Alberta um, had some great research. Like, the computer science department there is fantastic. Uh, really, really great smart developers coming out of it. Obviously, the AI um, uh, center there is, you know, um, second to none. It's it's, it's amazing. Um, but, it, you know, this has definitely shifted in the last couple of years. I've got a couple of friends that have now um, been able to uh, extract the IP out of the, the university at very favorable rates to actually go and build their, their companies. Um, and, and that's great. That, that is absolutely what's necessary. Um, again, you know, just like undercapitalizing your, uh, your company, if the, um, uh, you know, the licensing agreement on, on research that comes out of uh, universities trying to be uh, commercialized is too punitive uh, or just not exciting for investors, the company's never going to grow. Um, and so, um, so that was a huge mistake that, that Alberta did uh, quite a while. There's a couple of organizations there. I mean, Tech Edmonton was notorious for uh, negotiating just awful licensing deals. Um, and uh, I think that really hurt. Sure, a little short, short termism, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're like, yeah, we you know we want fifty percent of this of this patent that you guys made at the university. It's like that's not okay. <laughs> like, no investor is ever going to invest in this business because it's not going to be profitable to them. So you're basically guaranteeing mutual failure. <laughs> this patent is going to die. We aren't going to be able to commercialize it. Um, so I, I think well, that's the classic. I want a big piece of a small pie versus the small piece, the big, like the, so many analogies that, that it's interesting when you get back to that root of like, you know, almost, I don't understand it. So I'm going to as much as I can. I'm not familiar. Like there's so many reasons that cause that, but you can see where it, I understand where it literally stops it in before you're fit. You're failed before you even got out of the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hmm. So that's interesting. So again, I mean, amazing engine for, for ingenuity and engineering and great ideas. And then you just, capped the you put a ceiling on what you can do with it uh which is just um dumb <laughs> so like i said that's shifted, that's shifted some well, it's space god i like it yeah absolutely that's just not that's just dumb <laughs> yeah so so i mean th those attitudes have shifted dramatically in the past couple of years it's much more favorable to license ip out of the university now uh the organizations get it uh and i think that's a really good first start to to really enhancing the diversification in alberta I had a good chat with Corey Jensen. Like, uh, just we just actually launched his episode today, and just about like he really opened my eyes to just the talent that's coming out of the University of Alberta, especially around AI and the work they're doing with AltML. And and it, you know, he's like, "This is we've like they've been a player for twenty years, but it doesn't really ever ended up like it, we created this amazing talent, and it all typically went somewhere else. It never really put Alberta on the map, even though that the talent and the depth of it was substantial. And he kind of opened my eyes to that. I didn't really wasn't aware of that twenty year legacy that didn't end up like a Waterloo story where maybe it could have if it was, if some, obviously if things were done differently. It absolutely yeah. could have. And, and honestly, I, I yeah. think it was the, um, I mean, it's the attraction yeah. of oil. Um, uh, I mean, I have I, a lot of yeah. high school friends that went straight into the oil patch. Um, you know, they, uh, back in, in 2006, they were buying every toy on the planet, quads, uh, yes. skidoos, skidoos. Alber Alber Albertans love their toys, absolutely. We've got what's the highest boat ownership per capita with the least amount of lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of sums it up right there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a, you know, all of a sudden oil crashes and they're out of work um, you know, with a fairly yeah. untransferable skill set, didn't get uh, university degrees. It's a problem. Um, but that I think that myopia uh, to the energy, energy industry really hurt the you know the really good um, research that was coming well, research development um, startup companies that were trying to yeah. be built and just you know kind of crushed because of a lack of support in um, in Alberta. 
I've had a few guests, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's easy to throw around like transformation. We need to change. It's buzzy. It's all those things. And I've had a few guests come on. It's like, Hey, you know what? Like back to permissibility, maybe like, where can we kind of still stay in our lane and align from an energy perspective, but where does technology? Cause you know, we are looked at globally as a leader when it comes to resource extraction and some of the best practices globally, but yet where's the role that technology plays? And, you know, I've had a few guests be like, you know what, this like, we need to be completely different. It's almost not realistic versus how do we find a way to be a little bit more close to the industry that's got us here, but while still broadening our scope or maybe owning something a little bit different. I don't know. It's a bit of a vague, I'm not, I know I'm trying to bury a question into this like kind of thing I'm saying, but just curious, any perspectives on like, sure, there's technology, which is not really a sector. It's more of an underpinning of everything. Any thoughts from the outside of areas where Alberta could or maybe should lean in a little bit harder based on the fact that we do have this global energy reputation? Um, yeah, I mean, so early on in, in scopes development, um, we thought some use cases for augmented reality would be really useful in uh, the oil and gas industry. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely true. There are great use cases, uh, not use cases that we've uh, pursued. Um, but, you know, early on, uh, we thought there were. And our, uh, our experience with the Alberta oil and gas industry was that unless uh, Houston did it first, they wouldn't do it. Um, uh, I've, I, the, the race to be second. I've heard that. I've heard that from a few guests. Like nobody wants to take that risk. Yeah. So we ended up. I mean, we were exploring mm-hmm. these cases, and we'd go down to Houston, and we'd work with like BP and Shell, and, and all these these, uh, and even in Europe. I mean, we were working with Total for a while um, on these these interesting use cases, and um, and then we try to work with you know Suncor and uh, the guys up in, in Fort Mac, and that was nothing. Uh, just no interests, uh, no desire to be innovative, no budgets. Um, and yeah, really, really unfortunate. Um, so, and that actually guided us as a company. I mean, uh, we, we no longer, we don't have a single Alberta customer. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to, yeah, I was getting to that question. I, I was, I was leaning towards not, not <laughs> that's yeah. That, that's so interesting. I've heard that there is more appetite and again, nothing like a downturn to force, like don't waste a good crisis kind of thing. So there's, there's been, I think companies that are a little bit more open, but I'm, Arguably, they've been forced. They've been forced to be. It wasn't necessarily out of an, a drive for innovation and change. Yeah, no, exactly, absolutely. It's like really disappointing for us because you know, right in our backyard, um, these you know amazing opportunities. We think we can mm. drive major return investment for these companies, um, and yet uh, just no willingness to take a chance. Um, you know, they're making so much money, especially back at the, the height of, of this, yeah. and not willing to give a you know a small startup a couple hundred grand to do a pilot project. It's probably going to be a, a successful return investments and really unfortunate. So, Hey, str- str- struggling creates change more than success. Like, unfortunately, oh, right? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Success is when you should be doing it, but you're the least, mot- you're the least you know, from a shareholder's perspective, motivated. Well, even in, um, you know, when oil tanked in 2016, um, you know, we were trying to go after them and still, um, a little bit more willingness, but still not a lot. Um, and actually, so, uh, this was shocking to us. Um, we had a customer, uh, one of the Alberta oil companies, that thought we were a Silicon Valley company. Um, and that's why they contacted us. And um, when they found out we were an Edmonton company, like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad you're in Edmonton. We didn't know that. Uh, and it was almost like they wouldn't have contacted us if they thought we were in Edmonton. You weren't, you weren't sexy anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, talking about the internet. Because market, you had the wrong postal code. Ugh. Exactly. I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. That no. feels kind of shitty. <laughs> it felt shitty for us too. And, and yeah. um, you, so you talk about the international reputation of, of Edmonton and the Silicon Valley uh, community. It's not, it's internal as well. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's very important. Yeah. We need to, we need to, we need to solve our, our home problem before we worry about abroad, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, that is uh, so interesting, and it, it's and it does feel, and it again, the whole point of this conference of, of the this beyond the echo is to talk to people outside the ecosystem. Because if you talk to people that believe this, you can easily think that everyone's believing it in Alberta, but it's just not the case. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, you you get ten like minded people in the room. There are ten people that do think this way, but then there's the other twenty that you're maybe not talking to because they're outside that that circle, and that's the critical mass. And like, I'll be I I want I'm very optimistic and positive in Alberta, but we've got a rough road ahead. Like this isn't a like the future isn't looking super shiny at the moment. And how how dark does it have to get to really kind of break the old belief structure? That's a hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a long road. Like you mentioned Waterloo. I mean, they a long time ago they made the right investments and it's paying off now. Um, but yeah. it certainly doesn't happen overnight. I mean, this is this is generational change that has to happen uh, between mindsets and um, uh, in attitudes. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, we're, we're setting up the next generation, not necessarily the, the ones that do the work aren't always the ones that reap the rewards. You know, when you look at even generational companies, you know, that cycle of like, you know, there's the builders, there's the runners, and then there's often the fail on the, on the other side. You don't want to be the third cycle of when, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the family legacy company or the Alberta legacy tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, said, I mean, there's, there is some great underpinnings. Um, you know, the, the AI center, Amy, uh, you know, it's in, run by my friend, mm-hmm. Cam Linky. Uh, he's doing a great job of, of um, kind of building that. And then, you know, uh, trying to uh, market that out to the rest of the world. Uh, so they've done some really great partnerships to, to build things. I mean, Google DeepMind came in uh, just because of the, the, the talent. That's a huge win. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, there's you know much better licensing with uh, the universities. Uh, lots of, of great startups that are, are starting to um, to be built, uh, especially in Edmonton. Not sure about Calgary, but um, you know there's some really some really good. Yeah, no, the, the ecosystem. Even from when I started having these conversations to a year later, there's more like you're. I'm just I'm getting exposed to more of it, which was kind of part of the whole journey of having the show was exposing to people to the things that, you know, I had one guest on and I said, what's, you know, what's an indicator that lets you know Calgary's moving in the right direction? He goes, when the price of oil is is the secondary headline and something else innovative is the top headline. I thought that was a really good summary. We're not there yet, but I feel we're moving in that direction. Yeah, definitely. When, uh, you know, for yourself, talking about sectors, like obviously oil and gas isn't the only sector in Alberta. I don't want to sound very limited in saying that. We've got a great ag sector. You know, fintech is good. There's some stuff going on here, you know, in the healthcare sector. Do you, like, is there other sectors that you have seen or encountered in your journeys that are maybe a little bit more open? Like almost the opposite story that you have about your experience with oil and gas? Um, you know, I think um, it was, we, we haven't partnered with them, but I mean, biotech seems to be um, pretty good. Again, research, um, uh, uh, lots of good research there and, and you know, decent commercialization. Um, yeah, um, that's kind of the only one that's coming to my mind that you haven't kind of already mentioned, but. Mm-hmm. Well, biotech is, I've had a few, I haven't had anybody on the show. I've talked to a few people about it. It's um, the amount of qualified, like people that come out of, that come out of this market that are able to deliver against like biotech, but then they've got to go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, so um, one of the companies that uh, started by a friend of mine, Craig Knox, Drug Bank, uh, doing really well in the biotech sector. Um, so that was commercialized out of some research that he did at the University of Alberta. Um, it's actually, I mean, it's world around. Uh, uh, he, he actually, so he was down in Silicon Valley a little while ago. Um, and was telling me that when he goes to conferences, uh, he'll meet people and he'll talk about drug bank. Like, you run drug bank? That's amazing. You know, these giant pharmaceutical companies that use this on a day-to-day basis, like literally run their drug trials based on the data that's in drug bank. Um, and it's world-renowned. No idea that it came out of, out of Edmonton. It's just like this amazing research. So they're, they're trying to commercialize that and, and make a big business out of it. So doing really successfully there. It's great. 
Well, technically, if you want it, like if you've got a really strong offering and a good fit, it shouldn't matter where it comes from. But it like it does. We all like you, like you said about oh, oh, geez, you're not as okay, you're not as cool as we thought you were earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of ridiculous, but it is, it, it, it is, it is, it is reality. So, anything from the outside, kind of that you see that like. It's anywhere we need to get out of our way is they're like, hey, you know what, like that thing, or you know, maybe and you mentioned it. Some of the some of the earlier decisions the government made that they've they've maybe started to work on change. Like, is there anything that you see from an outside perspective, or is it just that critical mass that you talked about? Of like, we need some wins. We need to get like every time somebody has a win, there's a spinoff. Like, I heard you loud and clear on that. Or is, is there anywhere we could like open the dam up a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I think you know. Uh, uh, so the government with tax credits, I mean, th- what they just did was great. Do more, uh, incentivize, uh, you know, innovation and, and startups and, and just helping companies grow, um, uh, figure out how to bring in capital. I mean, there is nothing that will spur, uh, you know, um, growth of these companies than, than capital. You've got to spend it properly, but um, I, I guess what, what I said about smart money, bringing the right capital. Um, you know, helping these companies grow and, and make the right decisions and hire the right people and kind of grow internationally um, is super important. I, I think that would be amazing if um, somebody can help facilitate that. You know, Joanne's trying to do that uh, by, by, I mean, uh, uh, bringing uh, uh, companies down to Silicon Valley and making introductions, and, and that's how it works. Mm-hmm. But and I know she's she's also focusing on like. Opportunities for companies to also come to Alberta. If like you know, we've obviously we have an abundance of real estate. If anybody doesn't know that, so we I can get you a great deal on some great downtown space. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You think Oakland is a good deal? Have I got a good deal for you? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, my rents in Edmonton uh, for uh, I mean, we could probably put 50, 60 people in that office uh, okay. is cheaper than my rent for uh, six people in in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it gives you perspective. Yeah, yeah. My, my grade six math tells me that that's a, that's a strong value proposition. Yeah. But, but if you but if you can't get the talent to fill up the space, or you don't have the right invest, like again, it all kind of comes together. Like yeah. that 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 six person office could create exponentially more value just because of where it's located. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean. One of the other challenges I think is is just it's a bit of mindset too. Um, you know, in in San Francisco, um, you walk down the street, you you throw a stone, you hit somebody that's had an exit, and so you know, the belief that startups can be successful and the uh, the drive to uh, work incredibly hard towards you know this um, this unicorn outcome in the future um, is real uh, and, and it, it you know uh, the the core of startups is motivation and working as hard as you possibly can despite insane odds to success um, and just that that unbelievable uh, belief that uh, that you will be successful um, that's part of what makes San Francisco successful. Um, you know, my, within my, my social group, many of my, my friends, uh, have had exits. Um, and so, you know, it happens in Edmonton. Uh, I mean, you can count, uh, almost on, uh, you know, 10 fingers, how many people have had exits. And so that belief is not there. There's just, um, you know, I, I just find that, um, that dogged belief and, and persistence, uh, just seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and, and believing that it can be successful just doesn't exist. And, if, and frankly, uh, and it's the same thing I, I talked about with investors. Um, they aren't convinced that you're going to be the one company in the past 10 years that has an exit, um, then they're going to invest in you. So that's why they should throw all their money at you. Uh, right. just, you know, that, that mindset and, and the track record of success uh, isn't there. So I don't know how you break that. Um, I mean, uh, 
that, that's that's a really difficult thing to do. I do think when you start getting some successes, which I think we're going to start seeing uh, pretty soon, some some good exits, um, that leads to snowball. I mean, you can point to that company over there. Hey, they did it, um, and you know, so why can't I? And uh, I, again, it's 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 almost generational. That that doesn't happen overnight. But you start getting some really good successes. Investors start to believe. Um, uh, you know, people start working really really hard uh, to to try to make this this dream on uh, a success. Um, and you know. That will happen. So, yeah, I'm hearing you like the long term thinking, the investor as a true partner, not just money, dumb money, smart like KPI money. Like, hey, you didn't meet it this month, so we're going to berate you. Not helpful, guys. Super not helpful. Not how not how it works. <laughs> as I'm putting in my 18 hour days to to grind to grind this thing out. Exactly. So, you know, in in the absence of those, like a plentiful market. You got to get, you got to go where that is so you can experience it, which is, I know, like, again, to give Joanne lots of props, what she's working on and getting, getting you out of, you know, even I've been to a few conferences in the Valley, just marketing related, like there is an energy there. Like I, I get what you say hundred percent. The first time I came back and I was like, oh wow, like that's a whole, like I was jazz, like my lingo changed the words I was using. Like you, sometimes you just got to go bang up against it. <laughs> totally, yeah. And I, like being in, in Edmonton, when you don't see that success, um, this, belief that something can be successful successful is almost mythical. It's like, oh, there's something to water in Silicon Valley. We can't possibly do that here. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can. It's, it's, it's called the unicorn for a reason, right? Too, a yeah. little bit, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, um, yeah, I'm like... But, but if you see enough unicorns, you start to believe that unicorns are real. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you start to see a path to success and you, you believe it is achievable. Uh, in the early days, you definitely just have to stick your head in the sand and despite all odds, just go for it and, and have belief in yourself. Yeah, let, let's not let's not like create any illusions that working your ass off is a key ingredient to the, everything we're talking about today. Absolutely. I, I, mean, it's, I think that's the key ingredient to every aspect of success. Yeah, yeah. It's all about it's all about the hustle. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be being encouraged. That just doesn't... For a while, it almost seemed like working your ass off became was like out of fashion. I, I, I think it's coming back in. I've got lots of younger friends and they're like, there was a, there was a gap there where it's like, no, I'm not going to work as hard and I got to have more the, the, this illusion of life balance. But anyways, let's not get into this conversation. But there is a there is a, an appreciation for like, I want it and I'm going to work hard for it that I'm seeing with kind of younger business owners today that I don't felt like kind of went away for a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's just my own kind of, obviously my own experiences. I believe that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Work. Yeah. My dad was right. You got to work hard. Yeah. He, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> Scott, I heard you say loud and clear that, you know, obviously you're open to talking or like, what's the best way for somebody to, to get in touch with you to, to reach out and uh, pick your brain a little bit or just even just connect? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Scott Montgomery. It should be pretty easy to find. Uh, or my email is uh, scott at scopear.com. Um, easy nice. to find. So um, yeah, definitely happy to, to help. I love uh, chatting with, with uh, younger entrepreneurs and just try to, uh, I guess, pay it, or pay it back. I had a lot of great mentors uh, that uh, guided me in my early entrepreneurial career and made connections. And so I'm happy to kind of pay that back. Um, I mean, just this week, I've introduced three companies to, to my investor network. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's great for me. Uh, my investors need deal flow. Uh, again, this comes back to Silicon Valley type investors. They're competitive. They want to see the best and brightest companies. They're very happy to, to get introduced to, uh, to companies I know about. But then also, you know, making connections to entrepreneurs that uh, don't necessarily have great connections to VCs. Um, I mean, that, that's one of the real challenges for, for uh, you know, people in Alberta is getting introduced to the right types of VCs. Um, you know, the 48 hours thing is great. It gets you immersed, but it is not nearly long enough to get a relationship. You know, they, they say when you're fundraising, um, you know, a cold call is like the absolute worst way to, uh, uh, to get introduced to a VC. 
Um, you know, second best way is to just find somebody that's like in the network or maybe portfolio that company that VC, talk to the founder like for a little bit and then get them to do a warm intro. Um, cause at least somebody that, you know, we're human. And so a warm intro that's vouching for you and saying you're not crazy is you know better than a cold call. Um, and then just, you know, being able to develop a relationship over years with those VCs, um, that's incredibly important. And, um, so it's, it's really, I mean, that's part of the, that's part of the magic of Silicon Valley, you know, uh, Pre-pandemic, I would go to events like once a week where I'd be immersed in all the best VCs because they're looking for companies. I want to keep keep in touch and see how we're doing just in case we're going to like be the next unicorn. They want to throw money at us. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they don't want to miss out on your success either. Like it's an interesting kind of balance when you think about it exactly. as equal as everyone has something to gain and you know everyone's giving something up, everyone's gaining something. Exactly. That's right. And, and so without you know developing that network and having people that can recommend you to, to find this capital is really difficult. Um, so, you know, especially when you're head down working on your 20, like you said, the 20%, but at the beginning, the 20% looks a lot like a hundred percent when you're, when you're in the early stages. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, the more people you can meet, uh, that can introduce you to this capital uh, and give you advice, uh, it's definitely the best. So I'm, I'm happy to be that conduit and, um, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. And I would encourage people to read, like, reach out, pick up the phone. It's not like, it's amazing. Like people are more helpful than you think. Like that's some, that's a lesson. Like I think talk to even younger grads or people coming out of school, like, Oh, I'm scared to call. I'm like, call, like totally. people are like, they're way more helpful than you might think the story you're telling yourself in your head about them is in my opinion. Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, one of the other things too is, you know, I've mentioned some, some, um, uh, so, um, I think part of the problem in, with Alberta is entrepreneurs think that they're ready when they're not. Uh, I definitely did that. <laughs> um, I think jo Joanne implied something like that as well when her and I were chatting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the bar is pretty high to build a software business these days because it's, you know, the, the it's, it's so easy. Um, it, uh, it's so easy, but, you know, it's easy technically to, to build, uh, you know, something, but there's just so much more around it and just thought and the bar just has to be a lot higher. So um, getting that early feedback from somebody that's friendly before going out and fundraising and getting, you know, the door slammed in your face a hundred times, uh, as somebody that's done that, <laughs> it's really, really helpful. No, I can tell, I can feel that there's still a few scars oh, yeah. from those doors. It, it, it hurts to get feedback that, you know, your, your baby's ugly, but um, uh, it hurts more when you know they're right. <laughs> that, that, that's true too. Uh, but if you can, you know, if somebody can help put lipstick on the ugly baby, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, that's, all kinds of metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get us in trouble somewhere. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Scott, I really, I really appreciate your candor. And again, like when I was thinking about who I could have on for the show, it's that perfect perspective of the fact you've still got operations here and you're involved, but specifically for the reasons that companies are being challenged here is why you left to go out and kind of get over the wall and go gather and bring back. You know, I like that. Like let's, you know, let's the, the story of the guy who leaves the village and goes on the journey and comes back with this new, this new information and uh, congratulations on, on the success of being able to build your company. And I heard loud and clear, like starting to give back and do some angel investing and perpetuate that, that exact cycle that you talked about. And uh, I had question I'm putting you on the spot or any of those angel investments in Alberta? No. <laughs> nope. I'm like, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but yeah. and I, I'll ask a silly question. If the right one came up, I'm assuming that would be an option. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a, that was a loaded. I would give you back some after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I see they're spread out across uh, the place all over, actually mostly the U S um, although I do have one in uh, Spain. I think they're in Spain. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
the world, the world's a big yet small place at the same time. Absolutely. It is. And then COVID is a whole nother podcast. We won't, we won't talk about that. That is still, that is still writing. That, that story is still being written as, as, as we speak. It is. I, I will be honest. It's been great for us. Um, I mean, nice. Um, yep. from, from a bunch of different perspectives. Uh, first of all, it's kind of forced us in. So we were already remote, but um, uh, so we had three main offices. We had, you know, San Francisco, we had Edmonton and, and, it, and Tel Aviv, Israel. And um, the teams were fairly segregated. Uh, you know, we didn't really uh, communicate all that well. Um, and uh, and then not only that, but, um, you know, in the Bay Area, commuting is a huge problem. Uh, you know, my commute was an hour each way. So I was losing two hours, uh, not to mention context switch time every day. I didn't even realize how bad it was. And even in Edmonton, um, you know, our my co-founders have been talking about how they are so much more productive now, too. And they didn't have much, much of a commute. Uh, it was like half an hour uh, each way. Um, so now we're all remote. The culture of the company is far better. We're all on equal put, footing. It doesn't matter if we're in Tel Aviv or San Francisco or Detroit or Edmonton or wherever. We're all on Zoom. <laughs> uh, we're all, you know, uh, it, it's all on equal footing. So we communicate a heck of a lot better. Uh, there's no, you know, um, sitting in a boardroom and, and excluding somebody just because they're not physically there. Uh, it's, it's allowed us to kind of grow the talent pool uh, in different places. I've got, I don't even know where all my employees are, frankly. I got somebody in Dallas, San Antonio, Florida, uh, Boston, uh, just everywhere. But as long as everyone is, you're creating value for them and they're giving value for you, it doesn't matter. And like, I'm, I love, that is a beautiful, uh, I know there's been a lot of things and a lot of struggles that people have had through COVID, but I choose to look at those and, uh, man, especially as you know, in Alberta, there was an old school, we got to see you to whites of your eyes to, to understand that you're giving any value. And there's still some companies that are holding on to that, but a few of them have like said, oh, maybe there's another way to think about this problem. I absolutely believe that. I would go into the office every day, despite, you know, the horrible commute across the bay, um, because I felt like, you know, to be creative and to be a good leader, I needed to be there in person. Um, and turns out that is not at all true. Uh, the company is far <laughs> more productive and collaborative uh, when we're all on Zoom. It's great. And then, you know, just in terms of our business, I mean, we, we've, uh, my business focuks on uh, remote work, uh, like you know, for the for uh, blue collar industries, manufacturing, uh, maintenance, training type things. And okay. um, the, that attitude is being pervasive uh, in the blue collar industries as well. Sure, there is yes. somebody that has to actually physically go and, you know, be the pair of hands that works on the equipment. But um, no longer do you have to fly out a team of technicians to that piece of equipment to work. Uh, you can have one guy being the hands uh, with a bunch of other people kind of uh, looking over his shoulder and guiding him uh, on what to do. Um, and uh, that's amazing for us. I mean, uh, and I think it's amazing for these companies. Um, you know, previously... We well, I, I've, I've, I've looked at that model, like the cost savings, the efficiency, the reduced carbon footprint, the less trucks you have in the road, like that's exponentially valuable, not just for the end, like fix the problem of the broken unit, to your point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you'd think that that attitude would be, um, uh, you know, a no brainer, but pre-COVID, we were having real trouble uh, modifying culture of those companies. They'd be like, oh, we already have this software to send a truck out and we already have these procedures to fly people out. We'd have to change that. And the way we've, the way we've always, always done, done it. it. Uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden COVID happens where literally the business stops, the old ways don't work. And they're like, Hey, Hey scope, uh, we used your tools. Uh, they worked. Let's get started. So, uh, you know, uh, the first month of COVID was super scary. A whole bunch of our customers just stopped, uh, you know, well, yeah, every, everybody kind of froze in their tracks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then a month later, uh, the phone started ringing off the hook and we were adding, you know, our servers were melting. Uh, we were adding thousands of users a day. Just couldn't keep up with the, the, the volume of people adding. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great too. Yeah. It, was, it was cool. So uh, there's been some really good. Well, like you said, it's it fast forwarded the journey that I I'd like to think we were on around these certain things, but it, it gave it no option. And necessity is the mother of all uh, <laughs> change agents. Mm -hmm. 
the, per- the proverbial right hook that we all got. There's this quote I love throwing around. Uh, so in the industrial space, it's called digital transformation. Um, so it's the migration of like, you know, the way old way of doing things, uh, paper and, and pencils and, and, and stuff to the actual electronic medium, which you would think would have happened over the past 20 years, but really hasn't. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying like, you know, uh, digital transformation, these, all these initiatives were going to be completed over the next five to seven years, but that's now being ha- or ha- happening over the 12 to 18 months. So, you know, since that quote, we've already, we're like four months into it. We're definitely seeing that. The adoption of these technologies is, is happening at breakneck pace. It's great for us. So. And with arguably a change that they quote unquote needed to happen. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, the metrics that we were showing before, like 50% reduction in, in downtime, 50% reduction in travel costs, and, and 50% re- reduction in, in, uh, in truck rolls. Um, uh, great. <laughs> we're saving you a ton of money, and yet they, they just didn't have the willpower to, to move. Um, and, you know, nothing like a great pandemic to <laughs> force that well, sometimes your sometimes your biggest competitor is complacency, right? And I think with like doing things in a new way is scary. And you know, like oh, I'll just do it the way oh, we'll do it the way we've always done. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. All those kind of shitty analogies. Yeah, definitely. There <laughs> are say, sayings, I should say. Well, Scott, thanks for the chat today. I really enjoyed it. I think you you, you and I could go do full Rogan if we really want to lean in because I got probably thirty other questions I want to unfold. But we'll say we'll save it for we'll save it for a part two. And uh, post COVID, if you're ever in Calgary, let me know and we'll uh, we'll grab a beer. I'd love to connect. Sounds with great, you. man. I love your or or or, or a Zoom call works as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, thanks for your time today, man. I enjoyed it. No problem.